This is a new world order. And it's got no borders. It flies no flag. God is always calling us together into a new kind of community, not based on self-interest. It's not based on religious pedigree or nationality or ethnicity or any other identity you are tempted to believe qualifies or disqualifies you from belonging. So we continue in the Easter season, and as we do, the first reading each week from the lectionary comes from the action-packed book of Acts, rather than one of the Old Testament passages. Acts, really the uh, second volume, if you will, of, uh, of the Gospel of Luke. Um, and here we get to watch, uh, experience the development of the, of the young church. Uh, this new community is fueled by the vision of a, uh, the kingdom uh, that Jesus has ushered into being. And from the beginning, it is very different, a different community than anyone had experienced uh, prior. The values of this new community have never, from the outset to this day, aligned with those of the religious or political power structures of the day. We know that a lot of people today say that um, they're not connected to the church because they, they, it feels anyway to them like the church is mainly concerned with making it clear what you must do or say or believe in order to be a part of uh, the community of faith. They're not sure that's for them. A lot of people aren't sure they would uh, qualify uh, but look at these stories and parables Jesus tells as he reveals this new kingdom come. A farmer goes forth sowing seed, sows it meticulously, right? Perfectly spacing every six inches, removing all the rocks and weeds, sowing uh, with great care. Well, that's maybe the way we would have told the story, but it's not the way Jesus told it. It is the way we even interpret it. Nonetheless, at times, you know, you should be good soil, we say at the end of the parable. But the farmer in Jesus' story goes out and begins slinging seed all over the place, whether we like it or not. Which one of you, Jesus asks, having lost one sheep, will not leave the other 99 to fend for themselves in the dangerous wilderness to go and beat the bushes until you find the one lost sheep. And upon finding that sheep, place it on your shoulders like a lost child, and then say to your friends, come and party with me. Which one of you would not do that? Which of you, Jesus continues, if you lose a coin, will not rip up the carpet and strip the house bare, and when you have found the lost coin, run into the street and call your neighbors, come and party, what was lost has been found. Which one of you wouldn't do that? And which of you parents, having two children, the younger of whom takes the inheritance early, leaves home, blows all the money, comes crawling back home in rags. Which of you will not throw the biggest bash the town has ever seen, yelling, this son of mine was lost and 
has been found. He was dead and is now alive. Which of you wouldn't do that? And which of you journeying down the dangerous Jericho Road upon seeing a perfect stranger lying in the ditch half dead and bleeding would not risk your own life and put the injured man in the back seat of your Ford and take him to the local hospital and sign for his medical bills? Which of you wouldn't do that? And the honest answer is that none of us would probably behave in these unseemly, reckless, gracious, extravagant ways. These maybe aren't stories about us. These are God's stories. God, the searching shepherd, the extravagant farmer, the searching woman, the overjoyed parent, the generous Samaritan. This is a new world order, and it's got no borders. It flies no flag. God is always calling us together into a new kind of community, not based on self-interest. It's not based on religious pedigree or nationality or ethnicity or any other identity you are tempted to believe qualifies or disqualifies you from belonging. In this new community that is always forming, women are the first evangelists. Common fishermen are preaching to temple authorities. Paralyzed old people are getting up and walking around. People with a little money are giving it away to help those who have none. And precisely where people thought that things were fixed and closed and settled, dead, Resurrection keeps breaking out all over the place. This is the season of Easter. Now, we know that widows at the time of Jesus were by definition poor, people on the bottom rung of the patriarchal society of the day and at risk and vulnerable. But at Joppa, there was a woman named Tabitha who just wouldn't accept that, apparently. Her name in Greek is Dorcas, so I'm guessing she wants us to remember her as Tabitha. Uh, she was heading up an outreach program for the poor. She was trying to make changes to the way people lived. Tabitha was a woman who obviously didn't know her place in that stable, time-honored, entrenched patriarchal society. According to the men, she just wouldn't follow the traditions. According to the political establishment, she just wouldn't stay in her place. According to the religious hierarchy, she just wouldn't accept God's will and remain quiet. Scholars point out that when Luke refers to Tabitha as a disciple, it is the only time that the feminine form for disciple is used in the entire Greek New Testament. She's something special. But a crisis has struck this new community which had been led and nurtured by Tabitha, the one who has given her life to serving the poor, has suddenly died, and 
with her death, the threat that her life-giving work will, will end with her. But once again, when most people would resign themselves to such a fate, the community that Tabitha has formed sends for an apostle. And they don't just send for anybody, they send for Peter. Now, it's no longer Tabitha who's just acting out of place. These widows will no longer accept the way things are either. You see what happens. Peter heard their call and arrived in that upper room, Luke tells us. Why did Luke include that detail? Upper room. Well, we know Peter was there in the, another upper room not long prior on the night Jesus was betrayed. Peter was at the table. Do this for the remembrance of me. And then Peter went on to deny that he even knew Jesus. But Jesus tracked Peter down and forgave him and, and gave him his peace and sent him back out into the world. Last week, Pastor Natalia recalled the time Peter recognized Jesus on the beach after the res resurrection, and he couldn't help himself. He just jumped into the lake uh, so that he could get to Jesus quicker. By now, in Joppa, Peter had been fed. He'd, he'd been forgiven. He'd been sent. As the Father sends me, so I now send you, Jesus said. My peace I give you. And now Peter is loose in the world with resurrection faith. And I said on Easter Sunday, this is a superpower. Tabitha, get up, Peter says in that upper room. Peter, who on the night Jesus betrayed, took that bread and took that wine and then went out and, and, and lost his courage and said, I don't even know him. I'm not with him. I'm not one of them. This Peter in this upper room says, Tabitha, get up. And all that power, that resurrection faith, flows from that first upper room. There are always powers and principalities, accidents, illness, and violence and uncertainty and loss that threaten to define the world we live in and our place in it. But in these Easter stories and in our own lives of faith, there remains one power which is greater, one identity that cannot be threatened because it is given. And on this rainy day, you should know, again, it is given to you. My body given for you, my blood shed for you, sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. How we wish we could live in a totally secure world, but we are far from helpless and we are nowhere near hopeless. We are always being called into community together, set loose in this world with resurrection faith. With Tabitha, 
and the brave community of widows at Joppa that she served, and the Apostle Peter, my cousin Todd, whose funeral we had here yesterday morning, and you, child of God, you, chosen, forgiven, and sent. I want to close with the words that some pastor said over you at the baptismal font one day, for many it was long ago. That pastor said your name. This morning we remember Tabitha. That pastor said your name, child of God, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. So let's remind ourselves of our identity. Let's say it. You'll say your own name at the front of this sentence. We'll say it three times together. At the count of three. One, two, three. Chad, child of God, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. Chad, child of God, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. Chad, child of God, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. This is who you are. You are set free in this dark world, this world filled with violence, this world looking for hope. You are God's own child set loose in this world with resurrection faith. Amen. Yeah, so we've been reminded again on this Mother's Day that uh, the, the, the message of the gospel isn't about um, uh, you know, adjusting our behavior. It's not about finding um, happiness. Uh, and fulfillment so much as it is understanding who we are in, in God's heart. It is, it is uh, about so much more than those other things. It, it's, a, it's about raising us from the dead. And there are so many different kinds of death. And so this morning we leave here knowing that in our lives, a death does not have the final word. Uh, that we are Easter people, and it's never dependent upon how well we understand that or how strongly we believe it or how well we've behaved. It is what God wanted us to know in Christ and our own baptisms, sealed with the Holy Spirit, marked with the cross of Christ forever. That's who you are on this day. Set loose in a world that needs to know who you are. So we go in peace on this Mother's Day to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.